Welcome to the Line of Sight Gaming Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number two of Line of Sight Gaming Podcast. I was I was thinking about doing high voices, but I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I'm here with uh, Jaden. We'll do you first. Hello. Brett's also, yeah, there you go. Brett's also here. <laughs> I'm also here. I can't do a false settle, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, man, how's it going, every man can. You just have to learn how to do it. Yeah. How's it going, everybody? We're going into the second episode, which I believe means we can start showing up on Apple Podcasts, right? Yeah. 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 So I'll be doing that this weekend. We're kicking in the door. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good times. Uh, hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, so... We're so back. What's it's that? time for Chandler to be in the hot seat. <laughs> I know we were going to. So we did say really quick. We wanted to have Jaden do a little bit of a follow up from last. Oh, that's cast, right. right. That's right. Yeah. So for for anybody who, who was not uh, who has not listened to that one last cast, we talked about uh, deck building roguelikes on rogue, rogue building deck likes rogue building deck likes. Yes, uh, we did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well done, everyone uh yeah we, yeah we talked about that a little bit and uh mostly uh, as far as being like a, a pc pc game centric kind of thing of, of talking about a, a lot of that particular kind of game and Jaden hadn't really played any of them but now he has played one a lot i have it's true yeah uh and it's yeah, like so it's I, like not one of the ones we talked about really <laughs> not even a little bit nope um so i went out and i played a whole bunch of across the obelisk this last week um uh, this is an early access um Rogue like that brings in RPG elements and also is co-op. I don't think any of us has actually played it co-op though. No, but we need to. That's no, really need that's to. a really cool idea though. Yeah, I like it's... that. I like that concept quite a bit. Um, yeah. So some differences from this one to the ones that they talked about last week. You have to build four decks at once, um, which is interesting. One for each character you're playing because you're playing a traditional far- party of four adventurers. Uh, there's a story. I haven't played the non-story mode yet, but I'm planning on it at some point here. Um, there's like a boss for each level, which I think is similar to the way you guys are talking about the other ones. Uh, the differences that I immediately picked up on were this game lets you edit your deck a lot more as far as deleting cards, especially at the beginning, especially at the beginning. Yeah. You can very quickly get to a point where you can upgrade your opening city to be able to just delete cards from your starting deck for free. So, um, yeah. Uh, and for a while, I didn't take advantage of that at all because I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then I was doing some thinking about Magic the Gathering, actually. And I was like, wait a minute. The goal is to play as few cards as possible so that you have the most highest chance of drawing the cards you want. And then after that, I rapidly progressed through the second and third boss in the game because I was able to identify what I wanted each character to do. I also was able to um like know what was coming and this is actually one of the things that i think deck building at least this particular deck building roguelike does badly in some ways well hold on maybe this is a feature and not a bug but i feel like they're almost impossible to beat on the first playthrough because you have no idea what to prepare for so right so this is actually pretty consistent with most of of these types of games yeah there's an one that so that's actually typical of roguelikes a lot of the time in general Okay. Is that they, they, there's a lot of trial and error. <laughs> yeah. It's just part of the genre, kind of. Okay. But it's yeah, definitely for, a thing. For example, do not bring a fire mage <laughs> to the fire boss. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's a mistake <laughs> they, that I actually made. Um, they do negative damage. <laughs> yes. 
I very quickly just oh, stopped that's, doing that's anything with her. Very funny. I hadn't gotten um, to that point. That's very it, funny. It sucked. Uh, but some of the things that I so I was pretty skeptical about this this entire genre for a couple of reasons. First of all, it feels like it takes it would take forever to get to a point where you're competent enough that to understand the mechanics to actually be able to shape, meaningfully shape your deck and make choices about the game around you. Um, Across the Obelisk does a pretty good job of making that painless in terms of like learning what your things do and then being able to apply them pretty quickly. And from what Chandler was saying, it actually is harder in Across the Obelisk than it is in most of the other games. That's accurate, yeah. It, Across the Obelisk is one of, has a billion mechanics and they they do not introduce them one at a time. They just throw them all at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, um, I did like I felt like I was guided along well enough that by the end of the the third playthrough, probably I was just sort of like doing stuff. Now I wasn't doing good things because I hadn't figured out like the 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 well, deck. So I think thing. one thing that Across the Obelisk does well is that it takes tropes from other genres. And so like we played a lot of collectible card games, a lot of fantasy games. Um, mm-hmm. And so it it implements those really well in deck building roguelikes. Like yeah, it feels really good. It feels like a D and D party, which is fantastic. well. So it's intuitive if you have that experience. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so some of the things that I really enjoyed about it was that I very quickly gained a sense of familiarity with number one, what was gonna like what my cards were gonna be, and like what they could do, and also. Um, Across the Obelisk, because it's an RPG, has a really good story mode that I'm kind of realizing is probably the tutorial more than anything. Like that whole first adventure is the tutorial for how to play the actual like roguelike where everything changes every time, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a fascinating way to do it. And I'm kind of curious if other roguelikes and deck building roguelikes are going to implement it because that felt really good to me. Um, the, the other roguelike I played is Hades and Hades changes every single time you play it. And for me, that was really hard the first half dozen times. Uh-huh. This, I felt like I grasped a lot better, partially because it's not quite as reflex-based. Um, actually, it's not reflex-based at all, is it? Utterly um, turn-based. Yes. You, you say that, but I have misclicked several times. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Um, so, like, having the tutorial, like, story where things didn't change and I could, like, understand that if I was going to go in a certain direction, I'd be, I would be fighting these kinds of things was really nice. Um, because I could, you know, anticipate and change and strategize. I think the overworld map tricks you into learning that better because yes. you can go because you can say, okay, the north side is full of werewolves, the south side's full of evil trees. Like that yeah, and it, and you should always go straight out of the first one because you fight a bunch of sheep and they don't do anything. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I found myself really enjoying it. One of the things that I didn't anticipate was that my five year old is completely enamored with the the game uh he he was trying to backseat pilot me after like the first couple of hours um no cast this spell no do that thing <laughs> and i was like stop the art is really flashy it's really nice it is yeah um one of the things that i am moderately frustrated by but i'm pretty sure that this is like a design feature is that i still have no idea how to unlock more characters because it doesn't explicitly tell you how to do it anywhere and so i haven't run into like uh, the, the bits needed to unlock the characters. Like I understand that you probably like find the pieces to unlock like the you find the wizard's staff or you find the the other the the robots. Okay, okay. So you you've seen the faces on the map, right? Yeah, and I've talked to them, but yeah, I've never but... found the thing that unlocks any of them. Okay. So like one of them's hungry and wants some fish. One of them 
wants the horn of a greater demon. <laughs> like, yeah, one of them wants their staff back. One of them needs yeah. a power core. And like, I'm like, okay, so I have to go find these things, but I just haven't run into them yet. I think most of them are okay. So the ones in the first level, at least, you run into them, and then you'll see their face again, and that's how you complete the quest. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, thank you. Cool. Oh, there you go. I did not know that. Anyway, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, by the time I played through my last playthrough and and beat what is released of the game, like I was fighting most of the most of the encounters were taking sub one minute ish, um, which is a really nice thing to do. Another thing that I actually really enjoyed that I wasn't thinking I would enjoy or it didn't even cross my mind is that I really liked that I could just like play a few fights and then leave it. And just yeah, so that's later. that's actually a big part of what got me into that game uh, type in general is that um, I like take care of a house and like kids and stuff most of the day. And yep. so it's something I can just be kind of like, oh, I'll do like two turns real quick and then just kind of like leave. <laughs> yep. I, yeah, that I envy really your nice. strength. I don't know. It's if not always. That. No, to be honest, not always <laughs> the easiest thing. <laughs> like, like, I can't remember the last time I played that game for less than two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever played it for more than 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> it's much healthier. Yep. yep. Anyway, so I enjoyed it. I'm glad I tried it. I might try out Slay the Spire or Storybook Brawl or something next. I might specifically Storybook Brawl. Storybook Brawl is a totally different kind of game. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's a drafting game. So never mind. Uh, but I might try out Slay the Spire or Moss Train and okay. uh, see what By the like. way, uh, Chandler taught me the way to have fun with Monster Train again. <laughs> it was yeah. to ratchet the difficulty all the way down. <laughs> yeah, set the difficulty back to one. Yep, way more yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, that all aside, what are we actually talking about today? This is your guys' thing. I don't know what's. I don't know anything about any of this. Uh, so we're going to talk about Marvel Crisis Protocol today. Um. A game and we're just going to talk about it. Yeah, a game that Jaden has already successfully gotten me to play. <laughs> yeah, and a whole bunch of other people. I own it. I like I, I have, I have models. Yeah. Okay. I so actually, I played is, it twice. This is the funny thing about this game, right? Chandler buys the models. Yeah. In in like maybe September 2020. Proceeds to play some games and paint a bunch of pictures and say, hey, Jaden, you, you really like this game. It's a lot like this other game you liked. Yeah. And I go, oh, <laughs> may, okay. May rest in peace. Uh, and then I pick up the models and suddenly I own the whole game. <laughs> and, well, and I, I like that you tricked yourself into buying, oh, they're for my kids. No, no, no they weren't for my kids. <laughs> oh, okay. No, they were for my, my brother because oh, right. I wanted him to play tabletop game with me when he was here for Christmas break. And he never plays tabletop games with me because he doesn't like them um, <laughs> and he loves marvel so like we played maybe 100 and 100 games over that two week period wow like he cut like we play a game during the two one or two games during the day and then he come over and we play from like eight to midnight and we play like four or five games is that possible in two weeks hold on if we played five games a night for 14 days that's 50 that's 70 plus another two during the day that's okay so we couldn't have possibly played that many but we played more than 50 um which is still yeah, a bunch. It's still a bunch, yeah. Yeah, I came out of that winter break, and I was like, yeah, I've only played like 50 games, and, and most of my friends who play that game were like, wait, you started playing this two weeks ago. I was like, yeah, and... Yeah, um, really good. So I think secretly the best thing about Marvel's, Marvel Crisis Protocol is it's very easy to get into. 
Oh, yeah. Fantastically easy. Like, I think Marvel Crisis Protocol's core box is perhaps the best value of any miniature starter box that I've ever bought in my life. Yep. And... It, is, it is a, like, it is a wild value. When you actually break down what's in it, it's pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I also mean it draws you in because you know, like like we were talking about with having experience in that genre, um, lots of people know Marvel characters and mm-hmm. they behave like they behave like you think they do. And yeah, they do an excellent job of like this feels like Captain America. This feels like Thor. This feels like X other character. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, it's it's fantastically easy. And let's let's just talk about the core box real fast because it is wild. And it also in, in that thing. It also hits on a lot of what makes the game good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a brilliantly put together thing. So it comes with ten characters, which is conveniently as many as you need to play, uh, like a proper game, like in a tournament or something. Um, they're all relatively good characters, especially after the errata that they did last year. Um, I'm trying to think. Are there any actual flops in that box anymore? I mean, Crossbones, I still hate, but uh, yeah, so- you're wrong. He's great in Criminal Syndicate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, like they're all pretty good. Um, they're Spider Man's the worst. Yeah, but he's still fine. He's still good. Yeah. Um, they're fun to build. Well, they're most of them are pretty fun to build. Ignore Iron Man. He does and Ultron because they're nightmares. They're nightmares. Um, and then they're also like they're fun to play with, and they're all fun to paint. Uh, it also comes with like almost. I want to. I want to talk about that for a second. Uh, this is. The other strength of the game that's actually going away soon, but whatever, um, is that comic book characters are all have unique color schemes. They all have lots of alternate color schemes, and um, you you never have to paint the same thing twice. It's always different. Oh, the same thing twice part. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really actually one of the things that I've loved about the game is, is like they're a little bit bigger than a War Machine model, like mm-hmm. War Machine small model. But you're only playing one of them and you're only playing 10 of them max. So it's pretty easy to justify like cramming a whole bunch of painting time into one of them because you'll play it a bunch like I and, and, and there's just something to be said for not having to do the same paint scheme 100 times. Yes, uh, very, very much so. Um, and they're really fun paint schemes too. like you don't get in, in most tabletop games. You don't get an excuse to break out like the the deep royal blues and the crimson reds and put them on the same model and these ones are like no no like every fourth character that's the plan you're like oh yeah okay. and and then you and then you get to do fun stuff on top of it like i wasn't excited about paying venom so i broke spider-man over his arms and had him bleeding mm-hmm. all over him. <laughs> yep yeah and uh another thing that's like initially a strength and then very quickly becomes a weakness depending on how much <laughs> of the game you buy uh is that they all come with pre-sculpted bases for you I love that because I hate basing. Uh, <laughs> the downside is there's only four of each of the smaller kind and two of the bigger kind. So if you own the whole game, that's like 100 models, you pretty quickly run out of patience for just painting the same four bases over and over and over again. Um, that's a minor complaint, though, because it's really nice to not have to like base your own stuff. And you still can if you want to. It's really easy to base over them. But yeah. The box also comes with enough terrain to play a demo game that's pretty good and is about half of a table's worth of, well, slightly less than half of a table's worth of terrain for like a proper yeah. game. Doesn't have quite enough big stuff. Yeah. Yeah, not quite enough big stuff. And um, it also comes with all the measuring widgets and all. Oh, of... 
Gotta talk about Terminator. Um, okay. So, the just like Monster Apocalypse, terrain is what makes the game really fun um, because uh, a big part of being a superhero is throwing chunks of scenery at each other. And so they bake those yep. mechanics into the game and they made it powerful enough that it's like it's an advantage. Like Magneto, he has a really good attack, but most of his damage is throwing cars at you. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's great. Yeah. yeah. And look, like, that's what Magneto should do, right? Yeah, the, the yep. couple of games I played, we put a bunch of terrain down and proceeded to have no terrain left by the end. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that's how it usually goes. I like to keep a like a stack of dead terrain off to the side and just see how big I can stack it by the end of the game. Yeah. Um, uh, Magneto is the, the strongest example of this because he does a lot of throws. But like, yeah, you'll, you'll generally there's generally like a, a giant chunk of the table. It's like, oh, I guess Magneto walked through there. <laughs> It's just I played uh, I played Doctor Octopus like he was one of my favorites and yeah you just just check shit <laughs> that's that's what you're here for yeah 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 so the terrain is all also high impact polystyrene the hard plastic it's really nicely sculpted it goes together really easily and it's uh, super easy to paint with an airbrush or with a dry brush or something and it looks like when you've got it's it's weird because you never get to see this kind of thing but like a New York City table just feels really good. And I don't know why. Yeah, well, it's because we've seen 10,000, you know, fields with a forest in the middle of them or like, you know, burnt out cities, mm-hmm. like just, you know, a living city. There are cars, there are streetlights, there are like, mm-hmm. yeah, or or there's a sci-fi one. How many, like, how there's, I can only think of like two games that do sci-fi terrain. Right. And getting to change yeah. between the two is super cool. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, So other than the terrain and the models, it also comes with all the widgets you need to play the game, which is also great because they're also all hard plastic. Um, They're also hidden in the side compartments with the cars. (laughs) So if you go like, where's my stuff? Uh, Don't worry. Most of everybody was there with you. Um, you have to have very experienced board gamers to know to check under the flaps. Yeah, I, I knew about it because I watched some reviews before I bought into the game. But yeah, it's. It's not exactly obvious. Um, And then it also comes with just an absolute metric pile of uh, tactics cards and crisis cards and then some dice. Um, Not a huge fan of the tactics cards, so let's let's leave those behind. Um, But but the crisis cards are really cool. Um, They because they baked scenario elements into the design of the game, um, they can have rules that interact with them. Mm -hmm. Um, It also means that um, they were aware of the problem where the first scenarios you print aren't going to be very good. Look at the look at the war machine scenarios in the in the core rulebook for, yeah, for a great or, example. Or like the the baseline 40k scenarios in their in their rulebook. They're pretty yeah. Um, and so they built a system where they can release more of that over time and kind of even it out. Um, mm-hmm. And as they get better at designing it. Yeah, it's also worth noting that the six crises in the core box are still crisis cards that I play on a fairly regular basis with lists that I'm trying to tune. Yep. Um, um, they're all interesting and interactive. Um, they all have choices to be made. And to be honest, Scenario is one of Marvel Crisis Protocol's biggest strengths, like bar yeah. none. It is really, really good. Yep. So we'll talk more about that when we talk about like the game itself. But okay. as far as like core boxes go, I think I added it all up. If you bought each character pack in pairs, which is how they usually sell them for like, $35. So $350 just right there. 
plus the terrain pack is half of the New York City terrain pack, which is 50. So that's like 30 ish. So there's another 30, 280. The widget sets are another 20. That's 400. Then the dice are another 10. That's 410 plus all the cards like you're the getting irreplaceable. <laughs> yeah, the, the cards are actually ir- irreplaceable. Um, And so you're getting all of that and you can find them in a lot of cases for like $70 for this stuff, which yeah. is it's Insane. wild. So we'll talk about Lost Leader. <laughs> well, honestly, no. like as f- I don't think they're losing a whole bunch of money on this either. Like I really no, don't. I, it's, sorry, it's just a very common business practice. It's like... Yeah. yeah. So uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol is a skirmish game. And no, we are not talking about what that means. <laughs> Don't start either of you. Um, <laughs> I didn't say anything. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, not on this cast, you didn't. Um, and uh, it's, you know, you're playing with a small number of characters. It has a dynamic way to build a team depending on what you're doing each round. Um, and it's got a, you know, not an insanely advanced scoring system, but it, it's a scoring system that is flexible enough to allow for a huge variety of ways to play the game, which is really interesting. Um, let's talk about scenario first, I guess, because it's the most important element of the whole game. And uh, Brett, you want to you're, you're you've played a lot less of it than I have. So I'm kind of curious as to your perspective on, on it. Well, they recently made the system worse, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, that's true, but ignore that part. <laughs> um, so the the core idea, and I'm, I'm going to try and leave out the exceptions. The core idea is that um, they, y- y- when you're building your list, you bring a subset of scenarios that you think are better for you. And then there are two types. There are ones where you're trying to, in general, hold ground, and ones where you're trying to grab something or run away, in general. Um, Mm -hmm. and each player will choose one of those two types, and then you combine those together, and that's the game. Um, It also determines the size of the game, so that's why you need, that's why we refer to it as a roster rather than a list, where it's like you have the ten characters you bring, and you, um, you, depending on the point level, you you bring different characters. Yeah. so let's give an example of how that would work real fast. Let's say that we're playing. I pick, I end up choosing, uh, because I win the role, I choose my uh, my extracts, my pickup stuff, because you've got one that I hate. Like, let's say you're playing a really attrition-heavy army where you just want to kill my stuff and make the scoring really slow. And you've got the the alien ship one where it's only one thing that you care about picking up. So it's, it's really hard easy to, to find. Kill. It's hard <laughs> to find. It's easy to kill the person who's got it. Um, <clears throat> and it's it, it scores really slowly. And I'm looking at, like... If this all sounds like crazy, it's like it, it, it is a little bit of like thinking about how these all play together. But this is one of the strengths of the game because you can do that. Moving on from that. So I choose my uh, secures, the, the hold grounds, and I pick one at random. You pick yours at random. And we end up with I have a 17 threat value secure and you have a 19 threat value extract. Actually, there isn't one of those anymore, is there? An 18 threat value extract. Yeah, legacy. Oh, legacy. Okay, so 19. Sure. Yeah, it exists. I knew that. Um <laughs> And because I won the priority role, I get to choose if we're playing with 17 threat value of heroes or 19 threat value of heroes. No, not anymore. 
You're right. Second flop. Second flop. They just swapped that. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Sorry. It's a three or Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So the other person is is somebody still gets to pick, which is the cool part. There's two options, and then somebody gets to choose the best one for them, which is really cool. And actually, I really like that change where the person who doesn't have priority gets to choose the point value because getting priority where you roll or you got to go first, you got to choose which kind of scenario you got, and you got to pick the point level was absurd. All I got to pick was table side, and people aren't good enough at building tables yet for that to matter. Yep. Yeah, so this is a really good change, I think. And it, and it future-proofs the game pretty well as, as well. And then you get to build your what you're actually playing with out of the characters you brought. Um, before we get into that part of it, though, there are so many kinds of scenarios I'm just going to like list my top like four favorites real fast because I think they're really cool. There's a scenario where you're fighting over shards of Mjolnir, which are like these mystical hammers. And the more of them you hold, the more powerful you are, the more the more attack dice you get. But also the harder it is for you to use your your tactics cards on yourself. I love it. It's it's absolutely one of my favorite flavor scenarios. And it's also really fun to play because if you get like three hammers on the Hulk, you just get to roll like 14 dice for your attack pool and you're like, ooh. Yeah, well, it, and that's great. There's several characters where they can be like, oh, man, I got, you know, a bunch of hammers and I just wrecked the world. And it's like those those stories are really fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another one of my favorite scenarios is the uh, Terrigen Clouds, which are these like this is one of the secures where you have to like hold the ground. But the, the twist is if you're holding it. At the end of the turn, your opponent gets to move it and hurt everything around it. So, and apply a bad status effect, actually. So, like, there's this really interesting risk reward of, like, I got to get the points, but also how many characters do I need here uh, so that I don't get punished maximally for doing this? Um, another one that I absolutely adore is the Montessi formula, which is the the spell books you find like Doctor Strange's spell library and they give you a new attack which is a beam attack that lets you hit multiple heroes with it Um, and this is fascinating because there's a lot of heroes that have innate abilities to let them re-roll attack dice or add attack dice to things or whatever and that applies to that whole beam which is really really cool one day Um, I'll get on Dormammu one day yeah I did get it on Dormammu a couple of games ago and I completely forgot about it ah yeah I just well the dream in, in my defense he kept placing his character such that I wanted to use my asthma of obliteration repeatedly. And I did kill every character in his team with Dormammu. So, <laughs> so you couldn't have done much better. <laughs> I could have done a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, and then like uh, one more scenario that I absolutely love is, is called uh, demons downtown. And basically what it is, is there's a bunch of demons bursting through portals. And if you stand next to them, you get points, but you also get lit on fire and your defense goes down. And, which... and fire is, the worst as effect maybe the second worst i think hex is worse than fire sure okay it's the second worst yeah <laughs> uh no it's it's the third worst because stagger's worse than both of them oh well, yeah sorry stagger's not the status effect Stagger's the end of the game <laughs> yeah. yeah so like that's just four of the like 30 different scenarios that are out there and they're all they all play within the same sort of framework of the rules, except for there's like one exception, which we don't talk about. Um, research station. Yeah, research station. We don't we don't talk about research station. And then they're all enough different that you feel like you're playing for very different objectives every game while Actually, maintaining the same scoring system. So that is a criticism I have of the game, is that um, there are only like two or three good extracts. Like lots of lots of the extract scenarios are misses. 
Okay, so Hammers is a good extract, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Spider People is a good extract, which is in the core box. I cubes. think Cubes is a good extract. Yep. Um, I really like... I like the Alien Ship one, personally. Okay. See, but, like, Alien Ship and Herbs are dead unless you do something stupid. Okay, but, it, yeah, Herbs is a dumb scenario. I'll give you Her- that. Herbs, herbs is, is really, really dumb. dumb scenario. One of them had to get banned. Y- yes. Um... I really hate Legacy Virus. Yeah, Legacy Virus is not my favorite. Uh, but, Research Station breaks the rules. Like, Yeah, okay, but, but hold on, Brett. The counterpoint to this, right, the, the flip side of this, is that Legacy Virus lets an affiliation, which is a faction, basically, that was not particularly great before Legacy Virus come out, came out, be really good now because is they that play a, that scenario really well. Is that affiliation just anyone who takes Toad? No, it's criminal syndicate specifically, but, (laughs) um, you know, so, and, and the other interesting thing about these scenarios, right, is that they are coming out with more of them as models release and they're themed to those models, which means that sometimes a model that comes out completely reshapes the meta, not necessarily because of its abilities, although that does happen, but because we get a new scenario and we get like a new scenario of a couple months, which means that the meta never has time to really stagnate because there's always something new to try out. Oh my god, that obscure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so because they baked it into the game, they've got characters that have ways to interact with crisis cards, or sorry, with and, scenario pieces. And they're not afraid to let scenario pieces actually interact with the game. Do real yeah. damage, increase real stats. Mm-hmm. Make it yeah, it's really them. interesting. Um, and it's better than it's better than so many of the other games out there that are like, you're coming to fight over this resource that does something and gives you victory points. It's like, great. I don't. But it doesn't do anything at the game. No, you just want it for outside the game reasons. We promise it's worth fighting over. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marvel Crisis Protocol is like, no, you're fighting over shards of a mystical hammer that are going to cause infinite chaos unless your team secures them. Or maybe they're they're going to get got by the good guys and locked away unless your team secures them. Depends on. But, but more importantly, there's a mechanic, right? Like it right. does something for yes. you in the game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it adds like this huge this huge sense of like weight and interest to what you're doing because it's like, oh, I, I understand that they're like theoretical stakes to this. Right. And then they interact with you in the game, which is just really, really, really brilliant and because that's part of the core rules there's models that mess with that like mm-hmm. miles morales spider-man can shock people and make them drop their stuff black cat can steal things well, miles is an even better example because his leadership part of it only works if you're uh dealing with a scenario oh yeah like one of his core mechanics is like you get to re-roll the unrerollable dice if you have a scenario piece or are contesting a scenario that's like the th- one of the main things that he does Mm-hmm. And it's baked into, you know, interacting with the scenario, which is really, really cool. Um, I don't, I can't think of like any other game that has that level of pull you into the story of the game that you're playing. Especially through scenario. Right. Especially through scenario, which I, I honestly, I'm kind of curious if we're going to see other games head this direction because prior to Marvel crisis protocol, this was pretty much unheard of. Uh, out, outside of like extreme narrative things. Well, and like Malifaux had a saying where it's like, you can't print an ability that says gain one scenario point. Um, right. 
because then why would you do anything else? And Marvel and Crisis Protocol is like, no problem, we can do that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we can do it in lots of different ways, actually. Check yeah. this out. And this other way. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the most interesting part of the game because they're so varied. They're so um, tailorable. And it, it allows for such a huge variety of players to interact with it, right? Like, people that want to compete really, really hard will find the scenario that works, the, the triplicative scenarios that work the absolute best for their team because of, like, any interactions their team have. Like, Asgard gets extra power, so they like the scenarios that require power to use because they're better at that than everybody else. Um, Web Warriors like spread out scenarios because they're better at spreading out than everybody else's. Black Order likes the scenarios where there's not very much scoring because their plan is to kill you all, right? Um, but then there's also just like, I'm playing Thor. We're going to play Hammers because he's going out and picking up pieces to make a new Mjolnir, right? Like, if you want to make a story, you totally can do that too, which is also super fun. Yeah. So, that's why the scenario rocks. Um, roster building is also super interesting and is one of the more f flexible versions of list building out there. Like, Malifo is more flexible than this, oh. I guess, and not much else. Oh my god, Malifo's too flexible. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, um, as far as comparisons go. So, it evokes the feeling of transformative sideboards, which is one of my favorite parts of Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, the way it works, in a nutshell, is you basically bring, like, ten characters. Um, and then, when you get to the table and you've seen what the crisis is and you've seen what your opponent's playing, you pick the characters for the threat level that you are allowed to play. So if you're playing a 17 threat level, you bring 17 threat worth of characters. And threat is how they measure their power, basically. Points. Yeah, it's their points. Um, it's also, like, side note, kind of nice that they're using such small numbers. Um, they could easily have done, like, Captain America, or, like, you know, Thor's worth a thousand points and made their crises worth a lot more. But because they're smaller, it's actually a lot easier to just math it in your head which i appreciate um and and then you go to town uh there there are a couple of things about list building that are a little confusing at first um if you are playing with 51 percent or more of the models in your actual playing group yeah the ones you put on the table the ones you put on the table uh that are part of an affiliation you become in that affiliation which doesn't do anything by itself, but if you're playing the affiliation leader, you get a bonus. So, like, the ones in the starter box are, like, Captain America makes all of your superpowers cheaper. Or Red Skull gives you power every time you successfully hurt somebody. And these feel pretty thematic and appropriate. Um, the other thing is there are certain tactics cards, which are, like, basically, like, once-per-game abilities that you can do when it says you can do it, that only work if you're in that affiliation and maybe only work on those affiliated characters. Uh, the classic one is the Avengers one, which is Avengers Assemble, which lets everybody that's an Avenger move, which is a really strong thing to be able to do. Um, or like Wakanda lets everybody make an attack. And this is really, really flexible because there's a lot of characters that are in multiple affiliations. So there's a there's a list that Brett and I are tossing around with a friend of ours that has models that could theoretically let you play in four affiliations <laughs> without stretching too much. Oh, yeah, because I stretched. I think I got up to seven. Yeah, no, without <laughs> stretching too much, we were able to play in Web Warriors, which is Spider-Man's and Friends, 
uh, Midnight Suns, which is like the Vampire Hunters, Defenders, which is like the New York street level fighters. Well, used to be. Used to be. Um, and also uh, Dark Dimension, just casually all together. Um, yeah, because you were like, we were like one character away. Like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Dark Dimension leader uh, has an interesting rule that says it doesn't matter how many people are in my affiliation if I'm on the table. We all are in this affiliation. It's Dormammu. <laughs> it's Dormammu. Yep. Um, so, you know, you have this dramatically interesting list building process because there's a whole bunch of different things that you can factor in there. Like, do I have enough points to get to this threat value? Do I have enough models to play at this low value? Yeah, almost almost every time you build a roster, you're like, nope, can't play at 19. <laughs> Good to know. Yep. Yeah. And so and then that leads to some interesting choices like maybe you bring in some models that are of a different affiliation so that you can play at that point level um for a long time before the errata when i was playing black order i had brotherhood in there like the brotherhood of mutants magneto's friend and friends uh specifically because he had a really excellent really low point set that he could play and i didn't have that in black order and i didn't want to monkey around with the infinity gems um and so if you like really strategic list building, this is fantastic because you can always like come up with a core of people that you want to play in an affiliation because they have a really cool bonus. And then you can pick specific characters that complement that really well. And you can put that all together in a, in a mishmash of stuff. Or alternatively, you can cram every X-Men in your roster mm -hmm. and have a perfectly playable thing. And you're just playing X-Men because that's what you love. And I think having the ability to do both of those things is one of the things that Marvel Crisis Protocol also does significantly better than most of the competition nice yeah it's well and like this is the the breaking it down to the thing that when you look at it you're just like maybe i do want to play this is that uh marvel characters are cool <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought yeah uh, right. yeah yeah for me i so I, I played it a couple of times and i think part of my thing is it kind of just comes down to like skirmish games are not what i'm after a lot of the time Mm -hmm. uh unless i don't know there are specific again wild what is the definition of a skirmish game but um there are low model count things that i do enjoy quite a bit but a lot of the time i kind of feel like i don't know it feels like playing a board game on some level which i enjoy like if somebody was like hey want to come play on mcb i'd be like sure i have stuff Mm -hmm. But uh, it never really stuck with me super well. Um, but I also played it a lot, like a lot more early on, I guess. Yeah, uh, it is. It is a fairly different game now than it was a year and a half ago. Yeah, partially because there's more models around, partially because there's more scenarios around. Uh -huh. um, like a year and a half ago when you bought in, I think there was one 20 threat crisis and one and a 15 threat was the lowest it went. And yeah, now it's right. lowest is 14 and there's a bunch of 20 threat crisis. Mm -hmm. So you get this wildly different, you know, spread, I guess, of, of yeah. viable things that you could play at, which is which is really interesting. Right. So. Actually, something that I, I think would you would probably really enjoy, and this is this is a thing that they're doing a lot in various communities to build up the player base is called the three box challenge. Mm -hmm. And here's what it is. You play an event or a series of events. You're allowed to use the core box plus any three supplemental boxes. You can use any of the models, any of the tactics cards, any of the crises that come in those three boxes plus the core set. And that's all you can use. Okay. And yeah. that, you can do some is, really crazy things. That is one of the things I 
don't like about the game is how many times you buy a box just for like one character in it. Yeah. Um, like that's why I liked Web Warriors when I was getting into it. I used both parts of every box I bought. And the cool thing about the three box challenge and the reason it's three is that most affiliations have like three core pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of getting more value than that out of it. It is also yeah, worth it. noting that they've gotten a lot better about the the whole like you only want half of what's in the box thing. Mm-hmm. I think they did that at the beginning because they were like, look, we're giving people the option to get into multiple affiliations at once. Um, but as they've gotten you know more mature as a company, they pretty much only package affiliated things together now. Uh-huh. So yeah. that's making it easier as well. Screw you, mistaken beast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, those are both great characters. Sure. And you're not wrong. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some little like purchase frustrations for sure. Like, I, I really like Magneto. I don't give a, a, any shits about Toad's entire existence. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, I just don't care about I, that I, character. So if you know how Jaden painted my spirit culture and I, that was like, you know, I put a ton of effort. My Magneto looks great. And uh, Toad, I'm like, 30 seconds, you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh so like kind of have to deal with that on a certain level. And you know what's another character I would really like to have who's very cool is uh Thanos. I think Thanos is very cool. Uh but he comes with a giant fucking terrain piece that makes him like sixty dollars or something. And I'm like, what? What? Why? Like like why is this package this way? And then I remember that it's fantasy flight and it's like, yeah, fair. <laughs> See, that's yeah. why that I almost I almost didn't get in the game and that that kind of thing saved me because I'm like I hate Deadpool, but I am pleased that people have to spend like 60 bucks to get him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Spite. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I will say that like the maybe the the packaging of Thanos with a giant brain piece is like really dumb from like a value perspective from just one person. But that is also how they're releasing all of their like multiplayer options is the core characters of the like the opposition character comes with the pieces to play that sur- that scenario, which I know we yeah. don't care about, but there are a lot of people who think it's really neat. For sure. It Well, I had a conversation about this with some of my locals at one point because we were talking about it, and it, it does increase SKUs, but I was like, I wish they had an option to buy them separately. Like, yeah. that would just make me a lot happier because I'm just like, I like, yeah, the throne is cool. Like, it's a mm-hmm. big, cool terrain piece. But I would like to decide if I pick it up, <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of, instead of it having to be packaged in with this really interesting, really cool character. You know, like I, yeah. I think his affiliation looks very fun to play. He's got a lot of really cool characters and stuff like that. But I'm like, I don't want to buy that guy yeah. just to have this thing that kind of sits on my shelf. Like I really just sort of shove it out to be like, I guess that's some big obstacle. Like, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know what to do with it. Uh, yeah, it's a definitely a weird spot, but that's fair. Yeah. I, I can definitely see that. I think they're getting a little bit smarter about that, too. Like the Dormammu kit is only like 65 and he's way the heck bigger than Thanos. Like you don't feel too yeah. bad about paying just that much for him. And I stole some of his uh, terrain pieces to use in his base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've seen some people stealing him for all kinds of things, which is kind mm-hmm. of fun. Um, and yeah. And so that's kind of like the core of how the building happens. Let's just briefly touch on how it plays because we haven't done that at all yet. That's funny. Sure. Um, yeah. So one of the, the thing I like, like most about Marvel Crisis Protocol is that you get to make a ton of choices all the time because it's an alternating activation skirmish game where you get two actions per character. But you also have 
like a lot of calculation that you can do if you understand the dice um, that they do a really good job hiding. And this is another one of the things that I think they're doing on purpose is making it less obvious where the dice math is because the less obvious it is, the more casual it is or something like that. That's an excuse. It's easier to feel like you're not screwing something up, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And so like, if you understand how the dice math works, you can, you know, start to get into the realm of pretty reliably accomplishing the goals you want on a fairly regular basis. But also just the sheer amount of superpowers and cool manipulation of other models where you can move other models around, you can move your own models around, like the the battlefield movement and positioning of stuff is really, really neat. And again, it's pretty unique as far as games out there go. Um, being able to like pick up enemy characters and chuck them or like teleport them around or teleport your own characters around um, feels awesome and super cinematic. Uh because you know, yeah, the Hulk will pick up your guy actually, and we'll throw actually into each throw, other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Hulk will throw you know Thanos at Corvus, and there's nothing you can do about it because he's the Hulk, right? Um, which is really really neat. And so the flexibility, and, and it's not just the flexibility of how it plays, but it's also so simple to to do. Um, their widget style of movement, where you place from the front to the back, is brilliant. Like. I don't understand why more games don't work like that, partially because it's really fast to pick up and it's really intuitive, but also because it lowers the barrier of entry to the point where my five year old can move the models around like they're supposed to be moved around. He can't do that for War Machine or 40K. He just can't like going from front of base to front of base with a tape measure out of his ability, going from front of base to back of base with a widget on the table all day. Loves it. And I think that's a really interesting thing. Um, to to think about for other games, maybe like, is there a version of War Machine where you move from front of base to back of base? Maybe that would be really interesting to explore. But that sort of fluidity of it all moving together just makes for a really great experience because there's never any like sitting there and thinking about like I mean there is thinking about but like sitting there and fiddling with you know tape measures and precision tools that they also have done a good job disguising distances of by calling them something other than the amount of inches they are mm-hmm. to the point where even though I know what they are, I don't think about them like that very often. Um, it just, it moves very quickly and organically, which is a really, you know, hard thing to do, honestly, but an important thing to do, but important. Yeah. And it feels like that's, that's, I just can't emphasize this enough playing Marvel crisis protocol, the movement and the attacking and the throwing and the placing the the interactions all feel insanely smooth and insanely well developed, which is such a hard thing to do. Can I complain about the proxy rule? Yeah, we I <laughs> I agree with you on the proxy rule. I also understand why they're doing it. But go ahead. Explain so, explain the complaints. So so the they have a template rule, like War Machine, I guess still does. Um you're only allowed to have one of each widget on the table and you're never allowed to have a proxy base. So you spend a lot of time going, oh, shoot, I'm not allowed to measure that. Or this would be really easy to tell if I could, uh, if I could just put a freaking proxy base down. Yeah. I don't have as big of an issue with the rule as I thought I would. Um, because it does speed up gameplay pretty dramatically, which I think is the point. And actually, we haven't talked about this at all either. But AMG, or no, yeah, Atomic Mass Games is very deliberately not making Marvel Crisis Protocol's competitive side be their main focus, and I think that's really smart. I hate them for it, but it is Oh, smart. sure. Like, <laughs> for us, it's not the best, but for, like, 
them as a company and probably for the overall longevity and health of the game, it's really smart. Like, yeah, we could proxy based stuff. And I've played a few games like that on accident at the beginning because I just assumed that's how the rules work. But it wasn't that much better and it was a lot slower. Right. And maybe for something bigger like Warhammer or War Machine, where you need to be able to move a lot of things at once, that's a big deal. But when it's like five models on the table, it's not that huge of a deal. Although it is ironic that it's designed by the man whose name is now synonymous with fudging around with movement after you've decided <laughs> where something's moving. Um, for those of you that aren't in on the joke, to Pagani something is to adjust a piece after you've declared where it's going already. And it's been like that for years. So, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a really, really fun little game system. Also, the Tabletop Simulator mod is probably the best um tabletop game on tabletop simulator like full stop it feels kind of like a triple a game it's absurd how good it is so if whoever makes that listens to this major props it's remarkable very nice i think anything that has like a movement widget like that has a tendency to work really well on tabletop simulator as far as miniature games goes oh yeah because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a very defined thing right yep. so you're not like that's why like x-wing is really good on tts for similar reasons like yeah you... it's it's one of the things where computers do it better than uh, analog yeah i for a while I, i've actually said that i actually think x-wing is easier to play on tts than it is in person because mm-hmm. um, it's just very smooth um i mean once you get to there's a TTS always has a certain degree of barrier to entry. But, um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I'll I, I'll probably bust it out again. I, I have a friend who I can literally play any mini game with pretty much <laughs> once a week. And we've been doing Armada for a while, but. But he would happily play it. I think he owns like almost everything in MCP. Is it Ben? <laughs> he never plays it. Is it is it Ben? No, no. It's it's a guy okay. who works at the store. OK, uh, but that's why I know he's always there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i joke that i i trap him so that he can't leave and force him to play games with me nice. um, since he works on those nights but yeah yeah yeah, I'll, definitely have to, yeah I'll, I'll have to play around with it they have a bunch of stock at the store too like there's a ton of characters and stuff i would love to get but part of my thing too is that i'm not and this this ends up i think being a good thing for me getting into the game is i so i'm not a big like comic book guy i never mm-hmm. really have been uh but i am a huge fan of the mcu mm-hmm. uh you know i just it it's something i kind of grew up alongside in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and uh so there's a lot of characters in mcp that i think are really cool and a, a ton that i do not care about <laughs> at all. and yep. so i have no desire to be like i shall own every miniature in this game like there's a lot of characters i'm like i don't even know who that is <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really care i don't care about this person yeah. um whereas it's like yeah i get like some asgard stuff and like web warriors i love spider-man and like yeah I don't know, a couple other odds and ends, but yeah, I don't have to get like super into it or anything. Web Warriors would probably super duper fit your playstyle too. It's all like, I'm going to chuck you over here and you are yeah, now like it's... under the effects of five different statuses. Enjoy. Yeah, that's good times. Yeah, that's that's uh, the one that's, I mean, I, I bought Venom uh, mm-hmm. in kind of anticipation of doing that and just never bought any more models. Um, so yeah, I'll have to look into it some more. It's a really cool game. Like when I played it, I really enjoyed it. It just didn't stick with me. I guess. Yeah, you liked it enough that you got me into it. And I was pretty sworn <laughs> against not playing. ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. So good times. 
Cool. Well, I think that'll about do it for this one. Uh, but I'm gonna give uh, anybody who hung out with us. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, yeah. yeah, I do want to note for I don't know if anybody who doesn't already know who we are ends up listening to this that uh, we do have a Patreon. It is now connected to all of the things we do, so I can talk about it here too. Uh, it is patreon.com slash LOS war machine. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of different, uh, tiers on there. It's currently in a restructuring process. So if you do go check it out, uh, there's a post on there that talks about all the stuff that we're going to be doing in February, uh, to show kind of how the tiers will actually work. But yeah, check that out. Uh, also you can go to our website, which is loswarmachine.com. I've got set up in the show notes for this cast, uh, the, uh, link to our general gaming discord, which has just a ton of stuff on there. There's conversations for MCP, uh, conversations about all kinds of different miniatures games, as well as you know, it, a lot of the time, random other games as well. Cause we're all just nerds really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, that's a really great place to go. If you want to chat about some games in general, and uh, you can go to our, we- our uh, Facebook, which is just line of sight. You can shoot us messages or anything. If you have any questions, feedback, anything like that that you've got. And I get my we'll Hulkbuster sure in like a week. I'll be painting stuff and posting it because I'm That's, excited. That is probably a model I need to get because that thing's fucking wild. Yeah. It is an incredible model. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so yeah. excited. I'm yeah, so jealous sure. that Brett's had it for like two weeks. It it literally ran me out of super glue and primer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dang. All right, everybody. Anybody who listened, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>